Today we talk permaculture, Glastonbury and community as we chat to Charlie McGee, frontman of Formidable Vegetable on Benny Asking People Questions. Today's guest is on a mission, a mission to help us respect, celebrate and protect our earth. Well, at least on the surface. But once one listens to the music, really considers the clips and engages with with it as a whole, we soon discover that it's more than this. What it is, well, at least to this listener, is a reminder of community, a reminder we are intrinsically intertwined and a part of each other's lives. Something we are reminded is a gift and a gift to be celebrated, shared, and above all, protected. Supported by the UN, no doubt, and snubbing Glastonbury, this is an act worth listening to, and I'm thrilled to be joined by their creator and frontman, Charlie McGee of Formidable Vegetable, all the way from Perth. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Excellent. But are you in Perth? I know you're in Australia, but are you Perth or? I am four and a half hours south of Perth in the beautiful Great Southern region on the south coast. So oh, beautiful be- Antarctic waters, nice rainy, cold winters, just yep. the way I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and I guess the only thing that anyone knows down that way is Margaret Valley and the uh, wine. Yeah. So you're a little bit further yeah, than that. We're a bit further than that. We're, yeah. we're way off the beaten track. Yeah. Great. Um, uh, look, I, I looking just doing a brief research on you. I can't really get past the Glastonbury story. Is this true? Yeah, <laughs> snubbing Glastonbury. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't exactly that. I was. I felt terrible doing it because you know. I mean, who turns down an offer to play at Glastonbury Festival? Like, well, was, apparently, absolutely no one but you. You're the only act in the world, aren't you? According to the BBC, I mean, this is this is what I'm told. But the reason was, I mean, we we had been incredibly lucky to have played three Glastonbury's previously so it wasn't our first it wasn't like we never got to play but um in 2019 I read the IPCC uh climate report the first one (laughs) the second one was Mm. a little bit more concerning but the first one just got me thinking like wow you know things are really ramping up and I just can't justify flying around the world burning all these fossil fuels singing about not burning fossil fuels anymore so I just, I actually cancelled a European tour, well, a world tour. We were scheduled to play in the, the UK, Europe, the US, Bhutan, of all places, and wow. the North Pole, believe it or not. Wow. So um, who, who that, too? Was a, that was a big call. Who, well, <laughs> to some, some North Poleans. Um, yeah. No, there's actually a North, a polar permaculture project, which is the northernmost permaculture um center in the world and they're experimenting with growing food in the Amazing. Arctic. so yeah a lot of cool stuff that unfortunately i didn't get to go to in person but the the, the upside of glastonbury was that they went online during covid so we got yeah. to play after all beautiful <laughs> How, so did you actually play have you have played glastonbury in the past as formidable vegetable yeah yeah we actually that was one of one of our first gigs <laughs> strangely oh my god um it's a very convoluted and weird set of events, but um, basically I was playing in another band called Ensemble Formidable, and we got invited to play at this big festival in the northern, uh, in far north Queensland for the 2012 eclipse. Uh, some, you know, eclipse chasing types might remember that, but mm. it was a massive electronic dance party, and I was playing in an electro swing band at the time, and we got a gig opening the main stage as a 10-piece electro swing band. <laughs> 
but there was a stuff up with the programming and, we, and I got there early and the organizers approached me and said, all right, so you guys are playing the first night, you know, nine o'clock headline slot main stage. Cool. And I was like, hang on, you told us what? that the band was playing on the second night. They're not going to be here until then. What do we do? And it was like, Oh my God, crap. Uh, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll put you on the second night, but what are we going to do for the first night? And I said, well, I have a ukulele and some songs about permaculture. Um, oh, <laughs> I could do that. And they put me on this main stage electronic international music festival uh, slot. And then as I got off stage, there was a bunch of festival organizers from all over the world that said, come play my festival, come play no, my festival, come play my festival. No way. That was the next seven years. And I didn't even have a band name at the time. They asked, the MC asked me as I was going on stage, what's your band name? And because I was filling in for Ensemble Formidable, I just blurted out, uh, Formidable Vegetable? <laughs> That's what we were announced as. In the future, when there's no more fossil energy, how are we going to feed the masses? Have enough for you and me? We do need a history then because there's, there's like that doesn't just happen to someone who's driving around, <laughs> you know, selling coffees out of the back of their truck or something. I mean, that's the, there's a, I mean, you, you've obviously got an incredibly extensive musical history prior to all of this. Yeah. So I, I was playing drums. I'm actually a drummer. Um, mm. I, I, I put the drums aside because ukuleles are much uh, easier to carry around. Yeah, easier to fit in a car, totally. <laughs> like, you can do it on a bike. Played, <laughs> I could have chosen the flute, uh, but, you know, ukulele work. <laughs> but, yeah, before that I was playing drums in bands up and down the West Coast just, you know, for about 10 mm. years and getting getting paid. You know, I was a working musician and, and it was great and I loved it and it was a lot of fun, but something in me just wasn't satisfied. I didn't I didn't really feel like... I was doing anything to make the world a better place, you know, just kind of playing mm. in pubs to, to adults who wanted to just have a good time and then forget their woes. It was like, well, yeah, I could be doing something a bit more proactive about yeah. the maybe, climate and the biosphere. Maybe you need to focus in on the woes every now and then and, and yeah, exactly. pretend they're not there. Yeah, Exactly. My, my own set of woes kind of just outwoed them. And I, um, I actually dropped music and went off to study permaculture, which I've already mentioned a few times, but if you haven't heard of permaculture before, it's, an ecological design framework that's uh, based on a lot of ancient knowledge actually it's, it's nothing new but it's it's trying to kind of piece together all the patterns and ways of thinking all over the world that have allowed cultures to survive basically and thrive and, and wow. work with natural systems rather than against them and this sort of dominating like man versus nature paradigm which uh, mm. we seem to be very good at so <clears throat> I, I just thought wow this sounds awesome i've got to go and study this and you know be gone music um, but strangely after the first week of the course there was a lecture on pattern languages in ancient cultures and and how traditional societies use music as a way yeah. to educate and learn you know basically build their knowledge systems and i was mm. like whoa i just had this epiphany like i i do music and, um, and it was uh I've got a my ukulele. <laughs> yeah, well, it was my housemate at the time who was also doing the course that said hey you've got we had this class project on that we had to present a principle of permaculture and she said you've got a ukulele why don't you write a song on your ukulele about permaculture and my first response was just total cringe i was like Ugh. Yeah. like 
who's going to want to listen to songs about permaculture? Like that's the nerdiest who, idea. Yeah. Who, outs- out, who outside of hundreds of thousands of people at a rock festival is ever going to want to <laughs> listen to a song about permaculture? I know, right? Well, I, that was, yeah, don't ask me, you know, <laughs> what they were thinking. But, you know, it took me a few goes to get over myself and be like, well, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And, um, and, and it went down pretty well and and so yeah it just became a, a massive experiment and that's how the band sort of became a thing take a step outside if you want to know want to know what your soil is like and what is gonna grow All you have to do is stop and take a look around. Because, and, and, and so you obviously had a sort of a whole bunch of connections within the music industry. I mean, you're obviously a pretty connected. Again, I'm just sort of thinking about how that happens and then all of a sudden you're playing Glastonbury. So, I mean, you, you, you at some point drifted back into music. Which, well, I just I just fell back into it. Really, it was yeah. after one week of the permaculture course of like I'm never playing music, music again. again except to be, for now, yeah. To be like, this is my calling. And uh, so after finishing the course, I was like, right, well, I'm clearly not a farmer. I'm not even really that good of a gardener. I can make a compost heap, but I'm probably not going to be able to grow all my own food and be self sufficient. I'd better use the skills that I already have, have yeah. being music to get these ideas out there and inspire people to do whatever they do to kind of work towards something bigger than ourselves, which is ultimately what permaculture is about, right? It's about, like in your introduction, coming together as a community Mm. to work towards the common good and, and, you know, using mutual aid rather than self-sufficiency, which I think a lot of people think that's what permaculture is about or this going off grid and running for the hills and growing all your own food so you don't have to rely on anyone. It's actually the opposite. It's it's connecting with people and it's creating better systems so that we can all rise ourselves up together. Everything else make good use of it now. Yeah, so I'd actually, you know, uh, from being a muso, uh, just a touring musician in in rock bands i met heaps of other amazing musicians at festivals and gigs and i just drew on those connections when i when i started recording my permaculture songs i was like right who would my ideal band be and i just wrote my bucket list of musos to work with and uh, and i called them all up and said hey i'm doing this weird project about permaculture it's it's better than it sounds um do you want to play a solo or a, you know bass line or something on it and most of them wrote back and said yeah sounds cool and so I got the likes of Mal Webb, who was yeah. my absolute idol for like 10 years. This guy is, you know, if you haven't heard of Mal, then I don't know which rock you've been living under, but he's... Yeah, I've heard of Mal. <laughs> Definitely have heard of Mal. He's a beatboxing, multi-instrumentalist, um, brain-bending legend. And uh, he was up for playing trumpet on some of the songs. And I was like, oh my God, I got Mal Webb to yeah. play some trumpet. And he was up for um he he actually had a gig at Glastonbury. So when I when I miraculously landed a slot, I was like, well, I don't have a band. Uh, who's going to Glastonbury? And I was like, I'm going to be there. Let's just team up. So a lot of things just fell into place. Really, I, I mean, 
I still can't really explain how. This, uh, look, this, this is kind of a bit of a side note, but I, well, actually, before I ask this question, I get, do you, were you always traditionally aiming for a young audience or has that kind of happened as well? Because I, I look at, I listen to, um, you know, if you, for example, if you look at the album Earth People Fair, you've, you've got the song Actual Earth People Fair, which is, you know, I mean, it kind of feels like it's a, even aimed at an older audience. It's not, it's not, not that it's aimed at, but it, but it has that kind of depth. But then two tracks later, you're singing about my dad's done, he doesn't flush. So, I mean, are you, where, where do you see yourself fit? I mean, do you pitch yourself as a family act? Do you pitch yourself as a children's act? Or do you actually don't even think about that stuff? You just make it and you just find out who it resonates with. I I sort of thought about that really carefully at the beginning and I I wanted to keep the songs accessible to as many people as possible. So yeah, I guess I would define it as a family act because everything we do, you know, there's no explicit lyrics, there's no concepts that are sort of above kids or mm. young people. I mean, there are some pretty complex things, but that part of the beauty of of um of, I guess the the experiment is to try and make complex information accessible, and and that's I, I think yes. that's the underlying role of the arts and music. It's like yeah. taking all this data and science and making it something that people can understand. So you know the ultimate the ultimate like success of that is getting through to kids. And so I, I did challenge myself to make a song that was so accessible that kids could get it. Kids could learn permaculture, which mm. you know sounds like a pretty advanced thing but I never I never intended for it to be strictly a kids act and that the thing I love about Mal Webb's music is he's he's kind of the same he takes these obscure sciencey topics and and sings about things like tardigrades which are you know also known as water bears and turns them into these songs that kids can sing along to and absolutely mm -hmm. love but the parents also kind of get the underlying meaning or the the, the more complex information well, so, I, I, yeah, I th and I think that's a really important point that a lot of people really misunderstand about children or family music is 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 this idea of simplicity, and and I think people get confused that the music needs to be simple, and I think one thing that you do, and you just said it in that that little sentence there, is is this idea that there is actually no topic too big or too small, like there is nothing you cannot talk to children about. Mm. And there's nothing you cannot explain as long as you it's in the language that a child can understand and relate to. Or even if it's not, if there's a little mm. nugget in there that it's they can sing along yeah. to and then learn as they go. I mean, this traditional societies used this strategy of, mm. I mean, you can see it in our, in our nursery rhymes, right? I mean, the nursery rhymes on the surface are just a silly little rhyme about Jack and Jill going up the hill or, you know, mm. ring around a rosy or whatever, but there's these deeper meanings aren't learned until later in life it's like yeah. oh that song's about the, the play poem. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that, yeah, that yeah. song's got a got a moral to it but, yeah. but when you build these scaffolds that's that's where the learning comes it's like might be years or you know way down the track mm. but um you know I, I i don't know too much about pedagogy and teaching i've never been a school teacher except i'm, I'm about to become one <laughs> but you know it just it just makes so much sense to me my dad's daddy doesn't flush. My dad's daddy doesn't flush. My dad's daddy, well, you might think it's funny, but my dad's daddy doesn't flush. Yeah, my dad's daddy's full of dirt, but 
It's never activated, smelly red alert. Don't worry about the germs, cause they're eaten by the worms. Yeah, cause my dad's gunny's full of dirt. Yeah, my The reason I wanted to ask that is because with the with talking about the mouth thing and then talking about ending up in Glastonbury and then again Mal just going, Yeah, sure, let's do this, and then talking about the being on stage at the other festival and so on and so forth. Do you find it particularly because you're so I guess confidently and successfully, I, I would say, totally successfully had your feet in both the performing to adults and being very serious and very true, or, you know, that kind of sense to then sort of moving over to the family thing. Do you find that there, there's, there is a little bit of serendipitous construct in children's music? I don't know. Like you talk about, you know, you reached out to Mal to play on the album because it was sort of a family album and weirdly that gave you the courage. Does that make sense? Like I find I will invite people to play on my albums because it's for children. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm representing children rather than representing my music. And I, and I, and I'm happy to ask people to be on things that I wouldn't do if it was my adult music. Yeah. Have yeah. you found that like things just kind of clink a little bit more into place? I don't know. Totally. And, and it feels like I, I, I get more support for things that are for something a bit bigger than, you know, me and my songs about woeful love affairs or whatever. I mean, I don't have any of those songs, but, sure. but that's why I, I never wrote songs really until I started doing permaculture. Cause I was like, Oh, I've finally found something worthwhile to sing about. Mm. And I, I just never really, I never really saw the relevance in just writing about my boring life you know? yeah, <laughs> and, I, sure. and I wouldn't have felt comfortable hitting up all these amazing musos, but suddenly there was this thing that was like, Oh my God, this is something that affects yeah. us all. This is something we can all be part of. And people are keen to be a part of it because it's a community project. It feels like a community project. And also, yeah, like you say, for doing it for the kids, you know, everyone's up for supporting kids music and especially if they have families you know it's just something that's going to benefit everyone i've just had the absolute honor of getting harry angus from the cat empire to do a trumpet mm. solo on one yeah. of our new tracks and uh because his his kids listen to our music and he's he said you know it's massive at their school and i was like oh that's awesome you yeah. know but i wouldn't have asked him to play one of my other songs no way <laughs> so true it's so true i mean let's look at that um community aspect then because there's there's a line like right back on permaculture rhymer's manual there's you know i think the album almost start the first track is look around and mm. i think there's there's a line in there and correct me if i'm wrong it's we're not perfect but we have everything we need um i mean oh, that's, that's our yeah that that's the one, one the oh. last year's Oh, is that on our street? Oh, sorry. Okay, definitely, definitely got that wrong. But I mean, that, that to me, that to me is that is you, and that's like it's kind of what I was hinting at at the start. Is there is this surface idea of permaculture and, and the way you see reusing and and um, that kind of aspect, but really at the heart of it, it feels like you're really just saying, look, we it's, it, we we all benefit from this, and we've all just got to, you know, if you can't do it for the person next to you, who are you going to do it for? Mm. Is that kind of yeah. how you balance all of this? Because I, it was also like watching the clips and everything. I, I kind of got the sense that this is what formidable vegetable is. I, I, even the songwriting, I kind of, I know that you're the head songwriter, but then there's so much of it. I just kind of go, I just see a bunch of people sitting on a veranda, kids <laughs> running around down the back digging holes and hanging out and you're all got an instrument and you're just 
punch this song out? I mean, that's the the romance that I've picked up from it. I mean, is that, yeah, is that well, true? It's, it's, I mean, kind of. The fact that, you know, we haven't actually seen each other in two years because of <laughs> very you know, yeah, exactly. geographical and, um, and uh, COVID-related <laughs> isolation. But, yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's definitely, it feels like more of a community than a band. I, and actually, I counted once, um, there was in excess of 42 members <laughs> of Formidable Vegetable wow. who had either performed on records or on stage uh, and only half of whom had actually met each other in real life. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely been an experiment. And, and since the beginning, it, it, was, it was totally experimental. And, you know, I put it out there to friends via email. I got tracks sent back via email. It was very, like, just broad brushstrokes across the country, you know, any muso that I could sort of wrangle. Sure. But when we get together, you know, there is that coherence and we've done some great shows at Woodford Festival on New Year's where we've had like 13 of the members there and we just make this mega band and we have a couple of rehearsals but everyone's just up to speed and just mm. on the same page and we all kind of have a common ethic I think that that's what guides it is the the permaculture ethics are earth care people care and fair share and those are kind of the core values of, of the band really you know like we I don't want to run a benevolent dictatorship or, yeah, or even sure. any kind of dictatorship but you know always trying to keep people in the loop and trying to trying to get feedback as well and, and collaborate even if we're on the other side of the country is just super important our streets are radish neighborhood we planted every seed we could so it would let us turn up all the beats <laughs> we sent our roots deep underground and new ideas bloomed all around Living on our street Cause there's goats and chickens Bees and birds and fruit Growing on the trees We're not perfect But we do have everything we need But I think that comes through on the music I mean, you talk about You can just put 30 people on stage And do that Because the music's got that real Because originally when I was listening to it I was going, okay So there's not there's not an enormous change in musical styles from the first album what almost 10 years ago now till now but then it's it's real jamming music now that's not to say it isn't really considered and really well because it's there's some of it some of the production on it is is beautiful in this in this particularly this latest album it's just stunning but um but every song, you, you really get this sense that if I just walked past and had a guitar and you were all out the back rehearsing, I could probably just walk in and go, oh, what key are we in? And just become an integral part of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, it yeah. feels like that. I mean, is that is that the way you're used to playing or is is that... Is that something that this music just brings out in you, this, this real collaborative... I I'm just... Yeah, I don't know how to put I'm it. I'm just but... not a very, <laughs> I'm not a very schooled musician. So I, mm -hmm. I mean, I keep it accessible by default because I don't actually <laughs> know how to do anything too complicated. Yeah. What but, keys are you know, they're all in D. All of it's pretty in much D. Yeah, every single like, song. Once I wrote a song in C minor just to annoy all the horn players, and uh, <laughs> Mal still, you know, was all over it. But I mean, just just don't get anyone to try and play Mal's horn lines because it'll, no. it, you know, it's a nightmare. But you know, apart from that, yeah, keeping them super accessible and jammy and something that people can sing along to, you know, I still, I still haven't topped my, my 
first song, which I think is the most memorable one I wrote, which was No Such Thing As Waste, mm. because it's so repetitive and annoying <laughs> and anyone yeah. can sing along and remember it. And I think that's, that's such a crucial part of an effective song is, is its ability for people to participate because, you know, that's, that's the ultimate goal of, of what we're singing about is the participation and the collaboration and actually like, hey, you're a part of this too. I remember watching a documentary about Pete Seeger and just his incredible life in music and activism and, you know, from going down the Hudson River in New York and cleaning it up through these series of gigs that he sort of wrangled the communities together and, and got him to, yeah. to deal with the pollution. But then, you know, his songs were just so accessible and simple that people from five to 95 would re mm. remember them and sing along. And the, the last scene in the in the documentary, I can't remember what, what it was called, but it's just the life of Pete Seeger. He's doing his one of his last gigs and he's in his 80s or 90s and he gets up and he's, you know, hardly able to play his guitar or sing, but he launches into the first chord and sings the first word and then the crowd takes over and everyone knows the song and he just he just stands back and smiles. And it just that just sums it up for me. If I can get to that point when I'm 85, I will die a happy man because yeah. like, that's kind of changing the culture. It's like becomes a part of the cultural fabric and, yeah, I'm still... I'm still just aiming for that ultimate song or, you I know, mean, song. I, think, I think if you're talking simplicity and, and earworming, I think Get A Go, it's pretty up there. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think well, you, I think you might be selling yourself short there. If anyone, I challenge anyone to forget the words to Get A Go. That one's uh, more of a Trojan horse, a, a Trojan goat. Because uh, <laughs> we signed to a, a kid's label last year and I was like, all oh, right, now I guess we're officially a kid's, a kid's band. Don't know if I'm going to be able to like so get away true. with some of this more convoluted, dead yep. stuff. Better just like insert something repetitive and annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love. And then they'll listen to the rest, hopefully. Goat, goat, goat. Goat, goat, goat. Goat, goat, goat. Goat, goat, goat. goat. haven't had a chance to do that live yet have you i i have a couple of times actually really how did what did you what, i mean what on earth do you do do you just i mean is it is it a i imagine it's because it's it's not simple let's be fair it's not a simple song but i mean it, on the outside it looks quite simple but it, it be any, three words come on it, let's be yeah <laughs> well i guess lyrically it's pretty simple um but but is it is it is it pretty fun to do live because i mean you could just go I mean, it would just be like an exploding star. You could just go anywhere with that song, really. Yeah, we, we haven't actually, we haven't explored it too much, but I'm pretty keen to do some yeah, experiments with it. It's like, it's just bizarre. It just throws people. Oh, it's left beautiful. Like, it's, what, what's going on? It's such a great <laughs> song. Yeah, it's so true. You get to the end and go, that, that, that was it. That was, that was the entire yeah. song was just yeah. get a go. Okay, sure. 
get a goat. I don't, there's not even an explanation as to why you need to get a goat. Just get a goat. Just do it. Um, so from that perspective, it seems incredibly odd that my next question would be about your lyrics. But, um, you know, <laughs> my question is, do you agonise over your lyrics? Clearly not on this example. Oh, that but, one that uh, one took me months to come up with. I, I was, you know, just trying to uh, work on the alliteration. And Yeah, um, I've got a goat. <laughs> uh, you should get a goat. Have a goat. No, um, do, no. <laughs> don't have a goat, man. Um. <laughs> So, well, I mean, because your lyrics, I guess the re- the reason why you, I ask is it's not, I mean, your lyrics are wonderful. I mean, they're, they're great and, they're, and they're, they're incredibly poetic and they're very beautiful and they're, you know, they've got that kind of master stroke, which the rest of us kind of get a little bit annoyed by and want to listen, but at the same time just get jealous and want to turn it off. <laughs> but, but, but because you're talking about something that I guess A, is very specifically to your heart. B, you're also talking about something which is, and I didn't really want to bring this up, but it's, I guess it's a reality is you are going to have people out there that just by the nature of who they are kind of want to prove that you were wrong about something. I mean, I, I find whenever you sort of say, Hey, we should do more of this. Somebody wants to go, Oh, but there was that time you got in the car. Yeah. Um, how how difficult are the lyrics for you, or do you, or do you just feel so immersed in the message you want to send that you never really question yourself, or do you or do you have oh, to just I, go I, through them I, and go? I, I, yeah, I question myself all the time, but I I do I do I am really careful not to be didactic or preachy mm. in any of my lyrics. In fact, I've you know my band's pulled me up a couple of times and been like, oh, you know that bit where you say you should maybe. Yeah. You could be, you could, or yeah. I should, and and I'm like, oh yeah, thanks for pulling me up on that because I, the last thing I want is for that, you know, that preachy kind of like, hey everyone, I'm better than you, and I'm telling you what to do kind yeah. of vibe, which yeah. I don't feel, you know, like I'm I'm working it out as much as anyone else, and I mm-hmm. I find all this inspiration in these cool ideas that I read and and see, and I just want to share them, you know. It's so I really try to make it come across like that, like hey, check this cool thing out, mm-hmm. rather than like you're all crap do this yeah. instead of that and you, know, <laughs> you should get a go exactly i mean get a go is probably the most preachy song i've got really like that, that's just demanding <laughs> it is mate. i was desperately offended by the end of it it felt more a bit like you know 1984 and i was just kind of lost in this trance of get a go and I just, you know, <laughs> well, ordered six on ebay so even even that song, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I did, I did, um, you know, labor over that one, trying to think like, is this, is this too, you know, are people going to take this the wrong way? Like, what if they don't want to get a goat? And I was like, hang on, get a goat could be the double entendre of like, understand a goat. So if you really want to get a goat, yeah, get a goat, you have to hang yeah. out with a goat. That's the meaning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's also the sporting reference, get the greatest of all time. I mean, that's all the, the rage yeah, now, yeah. isn't it? Get a go. That's it. Um, so so from that perspective, I mean, you just touched on this, which I'm sort of quite glad you did. You do strike me as someone whose brain is pretty full of ideas quite often. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on, even though the exterior is, you know, very appears very calm and you know let's come together as a community i imagine your brain is just always filled with with flourish of ideas how do you prioritize your content how do you decide i mean your latest album has eight songs i guess is that is that that correct has it got eight or not or something uh the latest one garbage guts only has six six yeah so um 
I've done a new one with, with another six. I'm, I'm doing bite-sized ones these days. It seems to be the rage. I think singles are all the thing, isn't it? It's kind of mm. the smaller thing. But, but you know, you're, you're bringing out an album roughly every three years outside of the remix one. That appears, anyway, on, it appears to be that way on Spotify. So how, if you are filled with these ideas, and particularly in this case that we are, you know, a lot of the industry has stopped for the last couple of years, how, how do you... How do you then step back from what I imagine is 30 songs and go, that one's more complete, that one needs to be made, that's more important to me? Is there, or do your ideas aren't always about music? Are they also out what you can do outside? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 usually different. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the concept album, and I know people rarely listen to albums anymore, which is pretty mm. sad, but the first album was definitely like 100% concept album. I mean, each song was a chapter out of a textbook, so you, you can't get any more nerdy and obs- obscure than that. But yeah. but yeah, each album I try to kind of find a theme, and I guess I'm always just going through my notes and my voice memos and trying to find songs that sort of fit together and it's a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle like like anyone i suppose doing an album trying to get songs to to mesh but um yeah i've i've been you know there are these overarching themes and and for earth people fair you know which was my last full-length album it was really this uh this theme of climate change and and recognizing indigenous cultures you know and 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 acknowledging and sort of uh amplifying that Mm. in the world and um you know, so the whole album was kind of based around that idea. But then, you know, there's there's just other seemingly left field songs in there, like Dad's Dunny and, and things that are just fun, sort of interstitial ones. But my latest one I'm, <clears throat> I'm working on now, which I've just finished, is all about technology and social media, which is completely, you know, leaving the oh, garden behind yeah. for a bit. But it's it's just something that I really feel is making a huge impact in the world and especially on young minds. And I just I just I just felt like I had to say something about it through song. And again, music is is just my platform. I, I'm not, you know, I've just, I've actually just quit my Facebook. I've deleted it. So, um, you know, that comes with its own limitations. But but I think I'm just going to sing from now on, you know. It's it's the best way and it's fun and it gets your ideas across. Yeah. Yo, yo, I was crazy as a baby and I never changed. Some people hide their crazy. I put mine on center stage. They used to scream, yo, you're making a scene. Stop that. And now I rock hip hop in a purple top hat. And they still scream and now they scream, oh, yeah. I hope I rock a show in Oz and you're all there. I'm a secret agent. Acting normal is my alias, but I'm the crazy kids. Fall out like aliens. You know, writing about Facebook, obviously, yeah, not Facebook, sorry, but social media and computers and that kind of online world. I mean, it does step away from the permaculture thing. I mean, does it, does it, does it feel like it allows you to now get a little bit broader about the things that are concerning you? Because I guess at the heart of it, like, as I said at the start, I don't feel your music is specifically about the surface topic. And there's this really great line. I can't remember the exact song, so excuse me for not having, but you say, our garden is immense because we pulled down our fence. Well, that might sound intense, but we're friends with we're friends with common sense. Is that correct? Mm, yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of it with me. I mean, for you, it's you know, the permaculture, yes, it's the messaging, yes, it's about healthy living, but and the and the waste management, but at the heart of it, it goes back to the idea that you're about community, like it feels like the permaculture and the things that you have spoken about to or spoken about up until now 
have really been about you championing and celebrating the values of community. Totally. Yeah, so I think I think looking at something like online presences and that kind of online world, it's still community. I, I, I don't feel it steps too far away from what you've been talking about up until now anyway. Totally. And, and yeah, it's not, you know, whether you call it permaculture or whether you call it community, like it's, it's all, it's just all the same thing to me, you know, earth caring for the, the land, caring for each other and, and having, you know, a fair share of surplus is just what it boils down to. And so for me, uh, the link between, you know, digital technology and social media and permaculture or whatever you want to call it is coming back to real life. You know, it's like, well, mm. do we want to upload our brains to the cloud and, and be mediated by Jeff Bezos? Or do we want to get back to our front yards and talk to our neighbors and hang out with our friends and play a game or grow a garden? It's just, it's, it's that sort of drawing the link between, well, making that contrast between the virtual world and the real world, which is totally in line with, with everything else yeah. that I've kind of been rambling on about, but, but yeah, it's just a bit of a different angle. And um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it all comes back to community and, and building networks and building relationships, but not these virtual networks, like actual networks. Like yeah. we have networks in real life. <laughs> and that's actually the title <laughs> of the new album. We have networks in real life. Yeah, well, in real life is the album. <laughs> it starts off with a track called Short Attention Span, and it's like yeah, yeah. short swipe, short scroll, short like, lol. And then uh, at yeah. the end, it's like walk, ride, bike, friends, eat <laughs> in real life. You know, it's just like kind of making those contrasts. Like, which would you prefer? Yeah. Yeah, in real time. Everywhere my friends are all around me. It's my guess that they are with you too If you want to keep them being friendly Treat your friends as you'd like them to treat you What is your... I've just got a couple more questions for you. Um, how, does, how does the production side, if we just sort of get down to a little bit of technical speak, what do you do with the production side? Are you quite literate in the studio or do you have someone who you specifically get things done with how do you how have you approached your music thus far and how have you how do you feel it's changed i'm getting better in the studio i actually last year in lockdown i um i did a mentorship with the amazing spoonbill who's uh an incredible electronic producer actually he's part of that electro dance music world which i totally was not a part of before this that weird eclipse gig in the beginning but um yeah i've been working with him for years and he produced our first kids album grow do it and then from then on we've just collaborated on stuff and he he showed me around cubase and gave me some tips on on how to track my own stuff and and do basic editing but i send it to him and he kind of polishes the production and mm. mixes and masters and he's an absolute whiz you know he's just like next level profession he has his ears can hear frequencies that like dogs can't even hear i I leave that i'll leave the final touches to him but um yeah i am i am keen to get my head around it a bit more and i've set up the home studio in in my home which is a vegetable oil powered truck so it's a little bit limited on space but it's great being able to just record in the bush camping out and then send it over to the studio and yeah it's it's really fun process do you um how much freedom do you give him do you just kind of go here's my basic bits knock yourself out or is it still 
Like, is it a pretty collaborative process with air? I mean, because they're very busy albums. Again, I don't mean that in a bad way, but there's a lot. There's a there's a real lot going on. Um, yeah. Like Fun- Funky Food is a, is a great example of this. <laughs> excuse the pun, but this oral compost of <laughs> of just you know, it, it just this it champions so much sound in that song, and it's beautifully mastered and put together. How how much freedom do you give the other people? I mean, or you or do you find a lot of it because it's your baby? You spend a lot of the times constructing it all. It it depends on the song. Some songs sort of fall out fully formed, and I I record most of them, and the arrangements are done, and I've got a horn line in my head, so I sing that and I send it to Mal, and you know he makes it sound good, and and mm. other times I literally just play a couple of chords and sing a line or just, you know, in the case of get a goat, just say, get a goat and then <laughs> give that to Jim and he creates his electronic world around it. I've got this and idea Alan, for a song. Oh, you know, man, send through the lyrics. No, I did. I did. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's, a song. that's it. He's a <laughs> so stem of me saying get a goat. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's a collaboration and that's what I, that's what I love about it. I love the process and how every song is different and Mel and Kylie, who are a couple, they're just like these, these musical genii mm. who, you know, Mal obviously plays all the horns and Kylie is a violinist who played with Orchestra Victoria for 15 years with, you know, supporting everyone from Barry White to Led Zeppelin and Stevie Wonder. Yeah, she right. puts together these beautiful um, string arrangements that lock into Mal's horn. So I actually try in some of the songs to be as pulled back and simple as possible so I can send it to them and Skip they just sort of space. bring out yeah, they just bring out this other level that I just didn't have a didn't expect at all. And then, you know, Jim Spoonbill will do something completely different as well. So I love keeping it open like that. And then, you know, we share like all we split all the royalties like accordingly. And so, you know, someone might write most of a song and cool, that's mostly their song. And I write most of another song and that's, you know, mostly mine, but it's just the fair share ethic coming through. Yeah. I think I want to kind of really embody more of that, and yeah. to bring out to bring out the, the talents and gifts that everyone has to offer. Right. If you stuff a load of cabbage inside of a jar with a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice, forget about it in the back of the car. Well, a couple of weeks later, it tastes really nice. The fermentation ages raging. The latest sensation across the nation. Fact is, it's been around for ages, but the ancient flavors still bring elation. It's funky food, funky food, make your food get funky. Funky food, funky food, make your food get funky. Funky food, funky food. Is formidable vegetable everything now, or do you find time for, as you mentioned before, you you know, self-indulgent love songs? I mean, do you, do you, do you have time for this stuff, or do you generally feel um resolved doing doing formidable vegetable is it is it is it enough does it fill that bucket enough musically and creatively yeah it's definitely still feels like my number one you know it's it's my it's my love it's my baby and it's it's been such an amazing journey i mean you know we toured for seven years to 14 countries and played all these massive music festivals and just you know it's just been a trip but Mm. um so, you know, I just really want to hold that and keep creating with that. And now that we're signed to a label, um, Eight Pound Gorilla in the States, it's sort of opened up a whole lot of new possibilities. So mm. definitely holding on to that. But then through kind of signing to a kid's label, I, I've had to 
sort of find another outlet for my other stuff because um prior to that our last full-length album earth people fair like like you mentioned was a bit of a kind of multiple personality like adult mm. kids what is it and it, it sort of was two albums sort of mushed together and and I've I've since separated that so I do write you know occasionally more introspective kind of darker deeper more adulty songs and I've actually done an EP of new songs that I've had to put into a new project which I've called not just Charlie because I mean, ironically, it is mostly just me, but I, yeah, I collaborate sure. with all these other musos as well. And, you know, Mal's a part of it, Kylie's a part of it. So it's mm. a lot of the same band members, but um, it's just an outlet for those more adult feelings, I guess. No, totally. When, and, and you need to do it. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, I think I think with a lot of children's musicians, if, if you are okay with me putting you in that category, I think I think you it's a pretty rare person who just comes to it with the desire to write music for children. It usually comes from the fact that you've already written music and you, you exist in that space and you, I mean, you never lose that. You never lose the desire to say the things that, you know, to, to express the things that hurt or the things that bring you joy. I mean, it, that's just and sometimes, crea- you know, creativity, isn't it? I mean, that's exactly. why you do it and that's why you love it and that's why you feel so attached to it. And, and there is only, and there's only so much of that real deeper inner self that you get to really bring out with children's music, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's also, I guess, knowing what people are ready for, you know, kids don't have a huge understanding of the world and its its woes and you know the existential crises that we have and and you don't want to overload them with that you know in the beginning like introducing concepts i guess you know kids now are pretty pretty well versed in issues about climate change and things like that but but there's just another level i guess that that you experience as an adult and for me you know having an outlet to process that creatively without kind of burdening my audience being like why is he singing about everything being on fire? You know, like I just don't want that to be, to get yeah. in the way of the positive messaging yeah, of and the solutions based stuff. Cause you know, everyone grieves and everyone feels mm. crap sometimes. And sometimes you just got to let that out. And it's mm. not, it's not really for anyone other than yourself, but, but people can empathize and, and you can get a different kind of audience mm. through that who, who, you know, people who want to process in the same way. And, so yeah. Really good. Yeah. I, I remember having a conversation with someone saying the big difference I've always found with children's music is children's music is predominantly to the audience and adult music is, is to yourself and you hope the audience, it resonates with the audience. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you want the audience to enjoy it. You're not just purely there going, I don't care if no one's in the room, yeah. but at the end of the day, you're writing about the things that really concern you. Whereas for children, you're often, yeah, you're singing for the audience that's listening and you're trying to reach them. Totally. Whereas adults, yeah, you're writing about, Hey, my heart got broke. Hope you understand this and it resonates with yeah. you and great. I'd have been there too. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I liked to catch the rain. Well, my friends around the town let it flow right down the drain. But our tiny house in the trees had one thing that we drank. Every drop that we had saved in our rainwater tank. Cause there's no such thing as waste. Only stuff in the wrong place. No, there's no such thing as waste. When we treasure Leeds Grammy winner 
Uh, writing for the American songwriter um, online magazine recently listed you as one of the top 10 children's acts worldwide. Oh, did she? Awesome. Yeah, she did. Oh, hang on, let me just double check that. I might have got that wrong. No, she. <laughs> so she did. Um, is, is, is something like this, I mean, do you ever stop and consider just how important all, all the music you make means to people or how it's perceived? I mean, you, you have... You have a success in the children's sphere that is actually generally pretty rare. And I wonder if, are you conscious of that? Do you, you know, people, a lot of people have these dreams and they have the impact on making a difference and things like this. But I mean, you're, you're a UN championed band who's, you know, turning down Glassbury. I know that's not the point, but I'm just going to keep bringing it up because it's great. <laughs> I mean, do you, does does that kind of thing change your energy towards it or do you really just, I mean, do you genuinely not pay attention to that kind of thing or is it just really heartwarming and makes you feel like you're doing the right thing? Oh, it's, it's definitely heartwarming. I mean, I, I didn't even know about that. It's, just, it's nice to hear, but uh, yeah, I guess I don't focus on it too much. Like I've noticed over the years, you know, when, when I first started out, I was so driven to just like make the project work and then you know get it out there as much as possible and that in, that entails a lot of pr and marketing and promotion and i actually hate that stuff it's like yeah. you know that and most musos and bands that i know say the same thing like i just can't promote myself it's like it feels terrible it's yucky it's uh. self you know tall poppy syndrome and i guess i've you know pulled back a lot in the last few years um sort of just trying to keep that intrinsic motivation rather than that extrinsic motivation like oh people love me so therefore i should keep going it's like no well i actually want to love what i do mm. regardless and you know i want to be just playing around a campfire if that's my only audience and still loving it rather than relying on all this you know high accolades or whatever but it's nice to know that it it does resonate with people and yeah i don't know it's it's a weird one because i guess i'm a, I'm a bit ignorant of what people say because i just don't read the comments mm. or the threads or the social you know i just quit social media effectively yeah, sure. i don't i don't think i've ever looked at the stats on my website or the the play counts on my spotify like i just most of the time have no idea yeah someone <laughs> and, keeps booking you so yeah why not yeah, yeah, yeah well that's like, a, yeah. like i keep getting gigs so something must be working <laughs> but but i i probably should look at that stuff a bit more often because sometimes i do wonder i'm like is anybody does anybody care like is anyone listening is this is this working and you know so it is nice to have that feedback i guess but yeah, it's it's a combination I, of laziness and, and just not wanting to go yeah, into that I, world. I think I think what you just said though really hits on something quite important. There is a there is a far di there's a big difference between acknowledging it as feedback and acknowledging it as an accolade. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, if it's written in a magazine, it's an accolade. If it's a friend that walks in and goes, oh, "My God, that album is amazing," that's really great feedback. You know, and and I guess what you're saying is right. Is we we frame it all in that. I mean, you know, going back to the idea that you were saying, you know, you never put yourself out too much, you know, the tall poppy thing and et cetera. And, and absolutely, because we have this, I think particularly in this country, we have this kind of misunderstanding of what fame means. And the truth of it is you set out with something you wanted to say and the more people on the planet that hear what you want to say, that's really the ultimate goal, isn't it? Totally, yeah. So, and that, you know, and, and but we frame that in the aspect of, Oh, you know, you're getting really big and all this success, but 
that's the point. Yeah, yeah, and it's it. That's what I struggle with because you know everyone out there now is a brand and trying to promote oh. their stuff, and we have to you know buy ads to promote our posts and this and that. And mm. I like you know my whole new album is about kind of walking in the other that, direction, of that. Yeah. but I'm still yeah. like, oh man, but who's going to listen to the album? I've got to do all that stuff too. Ah, so it's, it's such a constant like struggle to rec- reckon with that, and yeah. the cognitive dissonance is overwhelming sometimes, but. You know, I, I I believe. You know, I I guess I have what you could call faith in in an idea that time has come and and forming the community around that. You know, even at the most grassroots level, can snowball into something bigger. And I don't feel like I'm any bigger than anyone else, or no, or any better than anyone else. I'm just a cog in the well not a cog, mm. a mycelial strand in the fungus of life, you know, <laughs> it's like, and, and it's those real networks that really just get me excited. And we've just moved to a, a community um, down here in, in West Australia, permaculture community and working with that, you know, in the most visceral real life way that we can, you know, we, we're, we've, we're having these inter- human interactions and land mm. interactions and all of these really, just real experiences that that mimic or you know make the other stuff mimics that you know it's just this mm. parallel life to what i've been doing online but it's it's just so much more meaningful for me mm. and um, so yeah I, I have no idea where it's going to go in the future i'm like i am trying to use all the channels that are available to get the message out there but more and more i'm bringing it back to local community mm. and what i can do in my immediate physical sphere of influence and trying to inspire people to do the same because if you know if everyone did that then we wouldn't need big globe trotting musos trying to mm. preach you know the, the the way and all this yeah, stuff it's like yeah. it, it'll be become part of the cultural fabric and and we can do it ourselves um charlie thanks so much for taking your time to chatting with me today um yeah it's, it's great i love it it's just it's fun yet it's just really meaningful and it's really heartwarming and at the same time it's really powerful and strong um it has enormity and tininess all beautifully wrapped up in a in a nice bow so thanks for giving us a bit of more insight into it thanks so much for the chat and thanks for what you do as well like having this outlet and this this conversation around the you know the inner workings of what what family musicians and and bands are doing is so important because I think you know a lot of it does get lost a lot of the time it's like oh this is just nice plinky plonk kids music Mm -hmm. let's just put it on the background and just keep the kids entertained but really there is a responsibility from all of from all of us to to kind of nurture that next generation and, and get them thinking about stuff that's deeper than I don't know just fluffy fun things or whatever <laughs> no absolutely you know, fluffy and fun I think things are great yeah i think it's definitely happening and, and thanks to people like yourselves that are just kind of showing us the value in it um so yeah thank you thanks benny take it easy you too if you'd like to know more about charlie and his work then head along to the website at www.formidablevegetable.com That's www.formidablevegetable.com. And, of course, for more Benny Time goodness, head along to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, asking Charlie questions. Charlie questions.